Good morning. It is my privilege to welcome you, and I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm going to invite you to take your seats for just a few moments. Actually, more like minutes. Um, don't want to mislead anybody. It is great to have you with us today as we continue our series one. I'm excited to share with you uh, today's topic, which is greater together. Greater together. How many know that two are better than one? Two are better than one. Throughout this series, we're looking at what it means to be a community that becomes one. We're looking at what it means to become a community that comes together as one. I shared with you last week that as a culture, we have a tendency to gravitate and to go towards independence. And there's nothing wrong with being independent to a certain degree, but we weren't wired to do life on our own. We were wired to do life together as one in community. We are created, we are called, we're separated, we're invited to come together as one. And this is important because when we come together as one, there is nothing that we cannot do for the kingdom. Last week, we said that this community of one begins when we recognize what we are and who we are before him and what this means for our lives. We learned that we are a masterpiece, amen? We learned that we are a masterpiece. You are a masterpiece. You're made in the image of Almighty God, God the one who created this amazing world and said that it was good. Then he went on to create you and I and called us very good. And as a masterpiece, we recognize our value. We recognize the importance that we have. We recognize that we were made in God's image, that we are called to serve. And we're called to serve all the other masterpieces in this world that are also made in God's image. And when we recognize, when we recognize what we are, masterpieces, and when we begin to live up to this ideal, and when we begin to embrace this truth of serving others the way Jesus served us, we can come together. It is then that we can come together. So last week, we laid the groundwork to come together as a community that serves God, that serves our community, and ultimately can transform the world for Jesus. So today we're going to build off of that, and we're going to continue looking at what it means to be a community that comes together as one. So we have to understand a few key points to be able to move forward. The first is that we are each made unique. We're each made unique. The second is that we are each made in the image of God. So individually, that makes us impressive. But more importantly, collectively, together, that makes us unstoppable. I'll say that one more time. Individually, that makes us impressive. But collectively, that makes us unstoppable. But one of the barriers that stands in our way as we move towards this is the sense of solely being around those who are like us, those that think like us. Have you ever noticed that we tend to gravitate, we tend to go and tend to hang out with so only people who are like us? 
People who look like us, people who think like us, people who believe like we do, people who vote like we do, people who are in the same socioeconomic demographic as we are, we like to be alike as humans. It's, it is not just the people in this room, it is the human race. We like to be alike, which is ironic since our culture values pushes independence and being your own person. We claim to want diversity, we claim to want to be that, but the truth is that we really like to be like others. We really like to be like others. But sameness, let me, let me tell you this, sameness doesn't add life. And sameness doesn't add strength to who we are. In fact, it's quite the opposite when we're all alike. Warren Worsby, the theologian and writer, said this, unity without diversity would produce uniformity. And uniformity tends to produce death. Life is a balance between unity and between diversity. As a human body weakens, its systems slow down and everything tends to become uniform. And the ultimate, of course, is that the body itself turns to dust. Isn't that just captivate, that captivated my attention that uniformity tends to produce death. Uniformity decreases strength and value. Think of it like this. If you have a building where all the walls are covered with the same masterpiece over and over and over and over, it's called wallpaper. But if you have that same building where the walls are covered with masterpieces of varying size, color, and shape, now it's called an art gallery. Now it's called an art. Nobody plans a great heist to steal wallpaper. Nobody plans a great heist to steal your wallpaper, but art galleries are targeted because they have immeasurable value. They have incredible value. This may be counterintuitive, but as a church, the body of Christ, when everything is the same, we cannot be a community of one that transforms the world. If you're taking notes, write this down. We are stronger when we are all not the same. We are not stronger when we are all the same, and we are stronger when we are all different. We are stronger when we are all different. Or to put it another way, when we are all together different, we are more than just the sum of the parts. And this is the one thing that I want you to get today, that it is okay that we are all different. It is okay that we look different. It is okay that we, we think different. It is okay that we have different opinions. It is, we are not called to uniformity. We are called to unity. We are not called to be all the same. We are called to be together, that to be able to say, you know what, I disagree with you on that, but it, at the end of the day, you are my brother and you are my sister and I have your back. To be able to say, you know what, you may not do all the things that I do, but you know what, at the end of the day, I'm praying for you. I'm believing that we are going to come together and we're going to do great things for God's kingdom. There are certain things that we will not agree on. There are certain things that the person sitting next to you, that you drove in the same car, that you, you walked into this building with, you too do not agree on absolutely everything. But that is why we're called to unity. And can I tell you, that's why the enemy targets 
disunity in the church because he knows that when God's people come together, he knows that when God's people come together, powerful things can happen. That's the picture that we see in Ezekiel 37. You see a fragmented, when Ezekiel is taken to the Valley of Dry Bones, and he sees a fragmented, dismembered army that used to be something great, but now is just there in the valley. We, what we understand is that there is that there's power in unity, and any time that there, is frag, there are fragmented parts, there, 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 there comes a standstill. There, it, it's a point that we cannot progress and move forward. But can we embrace that as a body of believers here today that we will not always agree on everything, but we do agree that Jesus is Lord and that there is nobody like him. That Can we agree that the gospel is the only message to be preached, that Jesus died, that he was buried, and that he rose up from the grave, that, that he got up so that we could get up? Can, could we embrace the reality that, that when we come together into this house, and that when we lift up the name of Jesus collectively, incredible things begin to happen because he dwells, the Bible tells us, in the midst of the praises of his people. That's why it's so important for me to put aside my emotions and my feelings. They're not always going to sing my favorite song, but he is still worthy. It doesn't matter what is taking place in my life. He is still worthy. Anytime that I come into his house, I got to enter his gates with thanksgiving and with his enter, come into his courts with praise. There's power in unity. And the enemy targets that and tries to get us separated and tries to get us against each other but we come against that in the name of Jesus first Corinthians chapter 12 tells us this 12 through 14 just as a body embracing uh, the different the differences in our lives just as a body though one has many parts but all its many parts form one body so it is with Christ for we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we are all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. This is a letter. So let me provide some context. This is a letter that is written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth, to a group of followers that are there trying to do their very best to serve God, to serve the Lord. And it is a very tough area to be in. It's tough to be a follower of Jesus because the, we understand that Corinth was a very diverse city. People from all over the Roman Empire lived here. Jews, Greeks, many religious backgrounds, many socioeconomic backgrounds. You had ex-military, you had people that were free, you had people that were slaves. They were all together here uh, serving God in Corinth. And Paul is addressing this particular letter to them. They didn't all get along because they were all so different. They only had their frame of reference. They only had their life experiences as context. And the church in Corinth, the community of Jesus followers here, reflected the diversity of the community that they lived in. This means that sometimes the people in the church didn't get along very well. But the differences and the friction 
weren't simply limited to just race, to culture, to economics, to the social status, or to the religious background. But some of the friction that we understand that was taking place or was caused because you had so many different people that, that had different gifts and that, that had different roles in the church and that had different functions and different uh, tasks to accomplish. Uh, some were more obvious. You had your leaders, you had your teachers, you had your preachers. Some were more behind the scenes, your hospitality, the service uh, uh, oriented, and then the encouragement. Uh, and just like many of us today, when we come into this place and when we join the body of Christ, when we join a community of believers, uh, they began to look at each other and even look at themselves and assign value based on how obvious and how out front and how desirable certain gifts were. This was taking place. If you look at our culture, if you look at society, we do this today. Think about these examples. The CEO, the CEO is more important than the regional manager. And the regional manager is more important than the store manager. The store manager is more important than the customer service representative. It is a nature of our world, of our society, to look at the differences and then to determine some to be better than others and then to be able to pursue the more important, according to us, those positions and to dismiss the less important positions. But I'm here to tell you that is not so. We aren't better than anybody. And this attitude tries to trickle into the church. And this attitude tries to carry itself into the church. So this little community of Jesus followers in Corinth, they're struggling with this whole difference thing and the whole who's more important issue. And Paul writes this letter to them to be able to debunk that and to be able to dismiss that. And he begins to explain the power of differences. And can I tell you that differences don't divide us. Differences bring us together as one and make us stronger. I need you. We need each other. Paul understands those differences. And he tells the church, he says, those differences don't divide us. Those differences, if we allow Jesus to have his way in our life, actually bring us together as one and actually make us stronger. Paul understood this, that when we are all together different, we are more than some of the parts. In helping them work through these differences, the Apostle Paul, he goes to one of the best examples, an, an example that's, that is just right in front of you, an example from everyday life. Uh, he draws from that to be able to make the connection, to be able to, to bring it full circle for the people in Corinth, uh, something that every single one of them could relate to in that time, and something that every one of us in this place can relate to as well, the human body. He outlines this and he says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If every single one of us did the exact same thing, who would accomplish the other tasks? If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? How would we be able to hear? How would we be able to listen if everybody was an eye? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, look what he says in verse 18. He says, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body. God did it. Every one of them 
just as he wanted them to be. The body, Paul says, is made up of many parts, and every part has a role to play, and every part needs the other part. I'll say that one more time. And every part needs the other part. And if the whole body were the same part, it wouldn't be a body. It would just be a part. And he goes on and on about how all these different parts coming together are better than any other, just any one part. And how the whole thing fails if each part doesn't show up to play the role. Are we making the connection this morning? Paul is saying that when we are all together different, we are more than just one part. We are more than, one, than just one part. So we have to know this. We have to know that everyone matters. Look at your neighbor and tell them everyone matters. Everyone matters. Everyone matters. There are no insignificant members in the community. There are no insignificant members in the community. It doesn't matter what you can do. And I also say it doesn't matter what you can't do. You have something that God has entrusted you with. God has looked at you and placed talents, skills, abilities, gifts, passions, desires inside of you that no one else in this room has. And and we are waiting as a body for you to join in and get plugged in because when the body is functioning, there is nothing that we cannot do for Jesus. Every one of us who consider ourselves, if you consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus, you're an essential part of the community. It doesn't matter if you work on stage or it doesn't matter if you work behind the scenes. You're an essential part of the body. In here, everyone is essential. By the same token, there are no members in this place who are indispensable. Everyone is essential, but every single one of us can be replaced. Everyone is essential. We cannot do what we are called to do without each other. We're waiting on you. We're waiting on you. The next move is your move. Everyone matters. The second thing is this, that we're better together. We're better together. Paul sums it all up by saying this in verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. That's right, you're a part of it. That's right. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. But we're a part of it. Do we have some kinks that we're still working on? Yes, but we're a part of it. Have we failed? Yes but we're a part of it. Do we still have some habits and some disciplines we're trying to kick? Yes, but we're a part of the body. And I gotta strive to be better every day, not for myself, not for anything, but just to to please him. We collectively are the body of Christ. We together are the body of Christ and you individually are a part of it. You didn't just come in here by coincidence or by accident. You came in here because there's a purpose on your life. You are a part of it. We as a community of one. 
as a commutative one, are the body of Christ. Paul stays on this theme, on the theme of the body. He says the church is called the body, the physical representation of Jesus here on earth, the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. But I'll tell you this, but there's a lot of churches that, that can become crippled. There's a lot of churches that can easily become crippled. And I'll tell you why. I often think the body of Christ comes off as crippled because we don't use our gifts. I'm challenging you this morning because we don't use our gifts, our talents, our skills, our abilities, our passions to serve the church and to serve the world through the church. I often think that we can become crippled because there's, a, there's an ear or an arm that hasn't gotten plugged in yet, that hasn't plugged in yet to their God-given purpose and what God has placed you on this earth to do in his work because we don't use our gifts, our skills, our talents, our abilities to serve God to serve his church and to serve our community through the church. So I'll say it this way. You have gifts and abilities. And I'll say it this way. Here at Impact City Church, ministry is not just for a few. Ministry is for everyone. You have gifts and abilities. You have skills. You have talents. You have passions. And each one of these skills, in all of their differences can be used to create a community here of one that changes the world for Jesus. And what if everyone, I hate talking about hypotheticals, but I ask the question, what if everyone here used a skill, talent, gift, ability, passion to engage in serving the church and through the church, our community? I say I don't like talking about hypotheticals because let's all get plugged in. Let's all use what God has placed, what he has trusted me to do. Maybe you have the best smile. You need, us, you need to join our greeters team. Maybe you can make the best coffee. You can join our hospitality team. There's a place for you. Maybe you, maybe you have a call to be security. The, the parking team does an incredible job. I left my wallet in the car and I left the keys in there and, and it was still there after church. Not gonna tell you what I drive. <laughs> True story though. Um, what would happen? There's a place for you. Our kids' ministry does an incredible job. Our worship team, our ushers, there is so much art. We have a prayer team that comes before church and starts to cover this place and pray for you as you come in. There is a place for you. There is a place for you. What would happen? And then imagine what happens when we take those gifts, those skills, those talents, those abilities, those passions out of the church into our neighborhoods and serve our friends and serve our neighbors. We would be unstoppable. When we are all together different, 
we're more than some of the parts. And I'm drawing to a close. In response to this, to this word today, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to take what you have and let's get plugged into the body. I love sharing the story, and some of you have already heard this before. I have a pastor friend in Bakersfield, California, who shared the story of a young lady in the youth group that was extremely shy to get in front of an audience. She could not speak in public, but yet she could write extremely well. And every time the church had a function, she would write to corporate corporations, write to the different businesses, soliciting donations. And because of her talent and her skills, companies would just pour in and, and, and begin to sow into that church, into that youth group because of the skills that she had. Because she recognized, you know what, I can't do that. I can't speak in front of people, but I can, I can type really good behind a computer. What is it? I say all that to say there is something in you that, that God is stirring up, that God is awakening to be able to serve, to be able to get plugged in, to be able to just do what we were called to do and make an impact for Jesus. It's in you. It's in you. And I can tell you that, yes, we have, we have careers. Yes, we have jobs that we, that we work in. But can I tell you that all that doesn't bring the satisfaction like serving God and serving his church. I can tell you that there is nothing more fulfilling than serving God and serving his church. I want to challenge you to step in. When I say step in, I don't necessarily mean full-time vocational ministry, but I want to invite you to step into your ministry. Join the dream team. We have an incredible media team that needs, that needs people. I want to challenge you to take your gifts. I want to challenge you to take your skills, your abilities, your passion, and start to use them to serve the church. It's about doing what we do here together. We're waiting on the ear. We're waiting on the nose. We're waiting on the eye. We're waiting. Get plugged in. We all need a circle. We all need a support system. That's why we have small groups. Impact groups, life groups, because we need people that can be in our corner, that we can come to and say, you know what, this is what I'm going through. Can you help me pray? We need people that will call us or text us and say, hey, I'm just checking on you. I know you had a rough week last week. How are you doing today? Get plugged in. Your life will be better for it. It is about serving. It is about joining together. It's about doing what we are called to do. So I've got a call to action. So how do, what are my next steps? 
Spend some time identifying your gifts and your talents. It's the first thing we do. You, you have to know that there's something that we can do. There's something that you can do. And then pray and see, and the second thing, pray and see where you, they can be, where they can best be used. And the third thing is get connected. As I mentioned, join a small group. Join the dream team. I'm excited that our small groups are kicking off today. It's going to be an incredible season. But if we all take gifts, and, and if we all take our skills, and if we all take the talents, and if we all take all the abilities, and we come together as different as we are, we begin to change our community. And when we are all together different, but yet join and connect and say, you know what, I can't do that, but you can do that. And I'm going to help in the areas that you can't do. And when we start working together, can you imagine the impact that we will have on our world? On our world and on our community, we are better together. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for placing in us the desire to serve for calling us, for equipping us, for challenging us. God, let us embrace our diversity in order to have a greater unity. Let us embrace our diversity in order to have a greater unity as we seek to share the gospel with others. Help us realize, help us embrace, help us recognize that what we do here has immense value. God, that we would come together and serve you like never before. That the, that the ear would do their job and that the nose would do their job and that the eye would do their job, their, the hand, the arm, the foot, the leg, every single part of the body that we would come together, God, and just bring honor and glory to you. That we would let our light shine and see the good deeds that we do, but that they would glorify you, that you would be honored, that you would be lifted up, that you would be glorified, that, that we would be able to redirect every applause to you, that we would be able to redirect every good job, every pat on the back to you, God, because you are the source. Except you build the house, those that labor, labor in vain. We cannot do anything without you. We need you at every step, at every turn, in every moment, in every season. So help us today, God, to rise above the failure, to rise above the mistakes, to rise above the past that has been weighing us down, and to be able to thrive into the future and to live our best life in you. You are the one that we need. You are the one we seek to honor. You're the one we seek to lift up. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Maybe you're saying today, before I, I get plugged in, I haven't even given my life to Jesus. 
I haven't made the decision to make him Lord of my life. I haven't opened my heart to let him in. He's coming after you today. He loves you that much. He loves you that much that he'll leave the 99 and go after the one. So he's coming after you today. Even you in this place that that accepted him but have turned your back on him and have have gone, have deviated, have have deterred down a different path. He comes after you and he tells you, I love you. He, He stands and he says, you can come home. But if you're in this place and you have not made a first time decision to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He comes after you. He chases you down with a relentless love. He chases you down and he says, give me your hurt. Give me your shame. Give me your pain. You're carrying it. And you don't need to carry it. He's a God that will take the cloak of heaviness that you feel in life, and he can give you a garment of praise. I don't know anybody in this world that would make that kind of offer, that would say, give me all the the horrible part of you, and I'll give you the best. Only Jesus. He makes this invitation to you. So if that is you, I want to invite you to just raise your hand right where you're at. As a sign of surrender, as a sign of saying, I give my life to Jesus today. I give my life to Jesus today. I give my life to Jesus today. Would you all together pray with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for loving me when I was unlovable. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. And let me live the life you died to give me. In Jesus' name, amen. Could we clap our hands to Jesus for everybody that accepted him? I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to enter a moment of worship as we head into our week, but We close every service intentionally and purposely designed in the following manner because we tell you that we love you and we care enough about you that we don't want you to have to go through what you're going through alone. If one part of the body hurts, we all hurt. And if one part of of the body is rejoicing, we're going to rejoice with you. I praise God for your victories. It's not all about me. It's it's about us together. But if you're in this place and you're going through something, internally, externally, maybe financially, maybe in your health, you face a diagnosis that you are uncertain of, we have prayer partners that come up and say, we're going to join together. There's power in unity and there's power in coming into agreement so we just stand in the gap with you and say you know what let us pray with you 
Let us pray with you. Yeah, yeah, you may be going through a rough patch, but come on, let's, we're going to get through it together. We're going to believe that God is faithful and that he can do a great work in your life. So I'm going to invite our prayer partners to come up and we're going to enter this moment. And if you have a need, whatever it may be, large or small or somewhere in the middle, I want you to know that there is nothing too difficult for God. There is nothing too impossible for him. There, there is no one that is too far from him that he cannot make a difference in. So right now, again, Father, we come before you. We love you in this place. We glorify you in this place. We worship you in this place because there is nobody like you. You alone are worthy. So we lift you up. God, but at the same time, we, we recognize that some of us in this place, our hearts are hurting. Our spirits are wounded. Our minds are preoccupied with tomorrow's worry. God, help us right now. Focus on you. Help us right now know that you are the God that supplies all our needs according to your riches and glory, not according to our resources. You are the God that owns the cattle of a thousand hills. God, you are still a healer. You are still a way maker. You're still a deliverer. You're still a restorer. You're still a renewer. God, there is nothing that you cannot do. So right now, God, we come. As the writer of the book of Hebrews said, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. We can come boldly to you, Lord, and ask. We can come boldly to you and know that you, God, are the God that can meet us where we're at. So right now, God, that you would meet us in our in our disappointment that you would meet us in our failure that you would meet us in our unquestion or in our questionable situations that you God would do what no one else could do we worship you in this place we worship you in this place and we trust you with what we cannot figure out with what we cannot do with what we have not been able to resolve we trust you we come to you right now in Jesus name